Let us pray together. God, in this time that becomes so busy, in this month of Christ's birth, you offer us a space. You offer us yourself. Give us the strength that we need to come to you, to trust in your provision for us. And we will return to you the praise that is due. We pray this through Christ. Amen. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word righteous. It's not a word that we use a whole lot. If I'm not thinking strictly Bible, my my brain kind of generates uh, some pop culture associations that meander through Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and the Righteous Brothers. You've lost that love and feeling. I I wonder what they thought they meant when they called themselves righteous. But anyway, that's not really... Those of you who have followed the international lesson, who go through that all the time in your Sunday school classes, uh, would have spent some time over this summer, I think, with this word and this idea. When Judy Zimmerman Herr was leading worship this past August, she drew from that resource to help us to get get a better sense of this word righteousness. Sometimes this word uh, trips us up, right? And it's too religious or something, right? Something happens. And Judy said, this righteousness is living in right and equitable relationships. And justice is the action we take to make that possible. Righteousness is the result of doing justice. And so the righteous are those who seek to do justice, to follow God in this world, to let all that they do be done in love. And this is very much how people understood the righteous person in the Old Testament. It was reflected in what that person did, how they lived their lives, being honest in business practices, taking care of those who are most vulnerable in their society, for them, the widows, the orphans, um, the foreigners. Walking with God, um, doing what is right. And so righteous ones are defined by what they do. And righteousness is more of a way of walking with God, right, than being in some pure state of sinlessness. And so to say the Lord is our righteousness is like saying the Lord is our ability to love one another. The Lord is our capacity to do what is right. And isn't that a relief, really? That God, by God's own self, is giving us from God's very life the ability to live well, to live in love, and to do what is right. Sometimes I think we've gotten the impression that we need to know how bad we were we, before God had to do this drastic thing and send his son, right? The son, Jesus. But in my experience with most human beings I've talked with, I'm not sure we need convincing that we fail regularly to act righteously. I think 
we tend to carry this with us. We know that uh, we struggle to do what is right. And we know our weakness. And we know that we falter even in our best attempts to be in right relationship with each other. So what if we simply believed that God in great love and unending hope is continually offering us new ways to understand and embrace the divine dream for us and for all the earth. That the, this, there, a key impulse of God is to share God's own life with us and to share God's life with everything, with all of creation. This impulse, let it be shared, let the abundance be shared. This, uh, this impulse is one of God's primary impulses. And so this new year of the church begins with a celebration of that divine extravagance. And with urgent pleas to stay alert, as if to say, don't miss this. God is coming to you. To us, with generosity and, and closeness that most of us don't dare imagine a lot of the time. Or maybe don't dare to hope for. And this reassurance from God comes right in the middle of deep fear and loss. It seems that the prophets and that Jesus knew that when things look particularly bleak, It's especially important to remember God's longing to share God's own life and hope with us. The more outraged we are at the state of the world, the more tempted to fall into despair or maybe even self-righteous indignation, the more urgently we need to fall upon God's tender mercy and fierce hope. The more out of control things feel, I don't know if you've noticed this in yourself, it seems the more tempted we are to react and and do some form of violence either to ourselves or to others. And it's in these times we especially need the righteousness of God, the repairing and restoring movement of God's spirit, which is always flowing, which is being freely offered to us. So to say that we can only be righteous or love well or do justice through God's empowering is not a slam against humanity, but more of a bearing witness to God's generosity. The thing that is so remarkable about this voice of hope that we hear in the prophet Jeremiah is that this claim that he makes is being made while the whole world is in disarray as far as Israel is concerned. They just see themselves plunging into the abyss. They, they're under threat. They're about to be um, taken away and exiled. And in that very moment, right in the middle of a time when everything seems lost, and even the very existence of God's people as a people is being threatened, the prophet is telling them about restoration and rescue and safety. Jerusalem shall live in safety. So any anyone, any leader of Israel who took the prophet seriously did so at some risk because 
He must have sounded kind of ridiculous in the midst of this crisis, speaking hope in the midst of a crisis. Sure, there's going to be a branch any minute now. It's going to be springing up as the Babylonians are breathing down our necks, coming in to slaughter us. Really? And yet Jeremiah goes to some length to encourage the people that God is coming with hope and new life. If you look at the beginning of chapter 33, it's just one thing after another. The one who made the world is going to bring healing to this city and recovery and restoration. I think Jesus also understood that it's hard to stay in touch with God's generosity and hope when it seems that the world is churning and things are falling apart. After laying out a very chaotic and apocalyptic vision, as we heard Carol read today, he speaks then a word of loving warning, one that we probably need just as much. If we can hear this as a word of of compassion, be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down. Especially perhaps for us, I'm not quite so worried about you being weighed down with drunkenness, but maybe with the worries of this life, that your hearts might be weighed down. And be alert, he says, praying that you might have strength to stand. Be in prayer, be on your guard so your hearts are not weighed down. What if we could receive this as a tender word in the midst of chaotic times? Perhaps as a mother's fierce motivation to protect her children from harm, or as an older brother's loving, protective advice, God saying, beloved children, keep watch. It's so easy for our hearts to be weighed down by upheaval around us, by the clamoring of voices of threat and fear and violence, even perhaps by the roar of our own tangled thoughts. But God is coming to us, pouring out all that we need. The one who made the earth is the one who enables all human righteousness, the one who empowers right relationships. All of our human capacity to live at one with one another, that is to show in our deeds that we are not separate from each other, but that we are all woven into the seamless fabric of God's own life itself. The other beautiful part of who God is, I was reminded of this this week, some of you might have seen it, that the hope that comes from God is not based on anything in the past. It doesn't have anything to do with any mistake we might have made. But that it is based on the infinite goodness and mercy of God here and now in this moment. A mercy that never changes. God, the source of our righteousness of our right 
living, of our being whole and at one with each other. And God is the only one with the depth of wisdom to be able to set things right without violence, without harming. There will be upheaval, yes. We will not escape loss. We will be invited to give up control and security and even into a dying, which will be followed by new life. Yeah, a transformation, but not a forced transformation. Not a violent transformation, not a hostile takeover, but a birth. Friends, if you are at all weary going into this season, perhaps God is inviting you to a spaciousness. Perhaps you might carve out even five minutes, not even every day, whatever's realistic for you, but moments in this coming season to simply receive the provision of God for whatever it is that you need. To rely on God's great mercy to empower our hope because this well does not run dry and it is the only one that will not run dry. So I want to invite us to just a space of some silence and um, I'll guide us very sparsely with the words, be still and know that I am God. So if you're not in a comfortable seat, please be comfortable and close your eyes if that's helpful. Perhaps have your hands open on your lap as a way of um, demonstrating receptivity to uh, your loving creator. And let us pray. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Amen.